Well, good evening. I feel like I just watched Ratatouille or something. Uh, glad to have you all here tonight. Uh, thank you. It is such a joy to be here with you in person and online. Uh, special welcome to any guests who are here with us tonight. Man, we are just thrilled uh, that you are here. Uh, my name is Ben. I'm one of your pastors. Uh, we're in this series right now at Hope uh, on the book of Romans in the New Testament. Uh, we as the pastors came up with the title of the series, When in Rome. Uh, clever title. Uh, What we're essentially doing is we're kind of walking through some of the major concepts in the book of Romans. Uh, We're kind of walking through this book and kind of looking at some of us as your pastors as some of our favorite passages from uh, this wonderful book. Today we're going to be in chapter 12 uh, verses 1 through 8. We just got a chance to hear. Uh, I actually want to invite you if you have a Bible, uh, there's some Bibles in your pews. You can pull them out if you would like. Uh, We're going to be on page 920. And we're just going to kind of walk through this passage here together. Uh, The words will also be up on the screen. Uh, Before I I dive right into chapter 12, I kind of want to give a little bit of context uh, to this passage so that we can read it in its fullness, uh, in its entirety, so it really, uh, we can just pull as much as we can out of this passage. Uh, If you look at the whole book of Romans, uh, we can kind of see where this uh, chapter is placed. Uh, You see at the very beginning of Romans, uh, Paul lies out how God created the world world uh, to shine the radiance of his glory. Everything was made to glorify him. But then we also see that sin entered the world and took away everything that we have. It uh, pretty much was uh, a thief, uh, a stealer. It took away joy. It separated us from God. We are condemned because of our sin. But then Paul takes us to that story once Jesus comes. Jesus, the fullness of God in helpless babe, born of a virgin, uh, born and he lived the life that we should have de- uh, lived. He died the death that that we deserved, and he was raised to life three days later, so no longer do we stand condemned because of our sin, but we stand redeemed by his grace through our faith in him. And it's out of this place of grace that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we overflow with uh, this joy, with this hope that God gives us as his new redeemed beings. And out of that uh, level of being overflowing of joy, uh, out of that uh, joy, we just live the Christian life. Everything overflows because of what he has done for us. And that's where we arrive in verse 12 is what does it look like to live out this Christian life after we've kind of seen uh, the whole story of creation, sin, and Christ coming? What does it look like uh, to do that? So we're going to walk through this passage together and uh, see kind of what Paul says. He begins with a single word in chapter 12, verse 1. He begins with the word, therefore. In seminary and uh, pastor school, uh, what they always told us is whenever you see the word therefore, uh, you have to see what it's therefore, right? Very clever. Uh, it helps you to kind of understand uh, the context of the passage to make sure that you're uh, fully understanding what he's about to write. And so we look at the previous passage, which is uh, Romans 11, uh, verses 33 through 36. Uh, this is what we often refer to as the doxology, And it's just an outward expression of praise to God. Uh, He just begins in this passage. uh, He just says, uh, Who knows the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that he should give uh, back to him? For for him and through him and from him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's just a shout of praise. Uh, The first time I ever heard this passage preached was uh, from a pastor named Robert Smith about three years ago in Minneapolis area. I was at a conference, and he was looking at this passage and talking about how so often when we read the Bible, we kind of lose its flavor. 
Uh, we kind of uh, read it in a dull fashion or, or whatever that may be. But the interesting thing to note about this passage is that uh, at the very beginning of Romans, the first 11 chapters... Paul is just outlining the doctrines of God, the doctrine of creation, the doctrine of uh, who Jesus Christ is, our sin, how he saves us from our sin. But then he turns a corner in uh, chapter 11, verse 33. It's almost as if he just stops writing about the knowledge of God. And it's almost like he just starts singing to God. It's almost like this uh, change from knowledge writing to absolute worship. Notice when he's writing, he's not saying, oh, the depths of the glory of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Uh, no, uh, Pastor Robert Smith, the way he said it, he's an old Baptist preacher, said, oh, the depths. You know, he's just like getting in this passage, and I'm like, oh, man, I love it. Uh, never heard preaching like that before. Uh, but what we can see is it's not boring. It's beautiful. It's, it's not just this heavy text. It is heavenly. Everything points to him. All the knowledge of God points to him. Paul didn't just want information. He wanted transformation. And that's what we're going to get at a little bit later. We're going to dive into what does it look like not just to know all the doctrines of God, but to be transformed by the Holy Spirit of God. And so that's where we arrive in this passage. He says, therefore, because of all of this doctrine of God that leads to worship, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He says, I urge you in view of God's mercy, offer your body. So let's begin to kind of pick this passage apart. He begins, he says, I urge you. Notice if you ever hear the Apostle Paul preach, if you ever see the words that he writes, there's always a sense of, urgency. There's, there's a sense of he's wanting them to arrive at a certain conclusion. Uh, in preaching, there's kind of two different ways that we can do it. Uh, me as a preacher, I can uh, first way present information to you uh, as the listener, and I'm just kind of subjective. I'm not trying to lead you a certain way. I'm just giving you the options, and you as the listener can decide whether you want to go this way or whether you want to go that way. And the second option is that I, as the preacher, can not only present the information to you, but I can urge you strongly to move in a certain direction so that you arrive at a certain place. Not just to present it to you and to say, oh, you can do whatever you want, but to try to get you to arrive at a certain conclusion, to be transformed by the text. I've, I've heard many different arguments, you know, which way is better when preaching? Uh, but I think there's no arguing when you look at the Apostle Paul there always appears to be a sense of urgency. There's something important. Not only did he present the information, he wanted to get you somewhere. And so the question I want to ask tonight is, where is he trying to get us? What is he urging us to? He says, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. He says, this is your true and proper worship. So here we can see the motivation as well as the application. What are we supposed to do? He says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Well, okay, why are we supposed to do that? What's the motivation? He says, in view of God's mercy. Notice as Christians, we are not motivated by guilt, but we are motivated by grace. 
Everything that we do as a follower of Jesus, it's not meant to be out of a place of guilt, trying to do more, but it's a place of, man, we have not received what we deserved. God has been so faithful. He's been so good. And out of this well of grace, he says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So the question I want to ask is, what does that look like for us tonight? What does it look like to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice? What does it look like to live our whole Christian life for the glory of God, to do this life all for him, not trying to do this for ourselves? He says, as a living sacrifice. It's not dead, it is living. Uh, Back in the Old Testament, the way that they would deal with sin is that you would have to present a dead animal, a a sacrifice, an offering on an altar, uh, and the blood that was poured would uh, be a sign that uh, you are temporarily uh, delaying the pardon of the penalty of your sin. But what we begin to see is when Jesus Christ comes in from the New, and the New Testament, uh, he completely puts an end to the Old Testament sacrificial system because Jesus Christ was the final sacrifice. He was the final lamb who was slain. Maybe we've heard it uh, represented in that way before. Uh, that Jesus Christ, fullness of God, came, he lived this perfect life, and yet he died on the cross. And therefore, we don't have to offer these dead sacrifices anymore. For Christ has conquered it. And Paul says, now your sacrifice is to be a living sacrifice. It's not, it's not dead. All of you, as you're alive, your whole life is to be a sacrifice to the Lord. And so, what does that look like? Let's, let's begin to ask the questions. What does it look like? It means using your eyes to honor the Lord in the things that you choose to look at. So if I were to ask you, how are you honoring the Lord with your eyes? Are you looking at things that are glorifying to him? Or are there things that you know that, ah, man, I'm not using my eyes for for things that honor Christ? Let's use our mouth. How are you using your mouth to honor, to glorify Jesus Christ? When you speak to others, are you speaking edifying, encouraging, loving, gentle words? Or are you tearing them down with the words that you choose to speak? How about your ears? How are you using your ears to honor the Lord in the things that you choose to listen to, your music, media, whatever that may be? How are you using your hands to honor the Lord in in what you choose to serve? Are you serving the Lord? Are you using your hands for his work or are you serving yourself, trying to build up yourself, your money, your status, your success, whatever that may be? How are you using your feet for the glory of the Lord in the places that you choose to go? Are you going in places that you know honor the Lord or are there certain places you know you're using your feet to take you that you shouldn't maybe be? How are you using your brain to honor the Lord in the things that you let ruminate in your mind? Are you thinking God-honoring thoughts or are you thinking things that are opposed to him? You see, you just begin to look at your body. How am I using my body as a living sacrifice? Paul says that is your true and proper worship. So let's, let's ask that tonight. What, if you had to define worship, how would you define it? If I were to ask you, what, how would you, what words would you put to worship? You know, some of us may say coming to church, right? On a on Wednesday, Sunday, uh, maybe the, hearing the sermon that's preached, uh, maybe singing songs together, you know, that's an act of worship. And as we look in the Bible, 100%, this is an act of worship. 
Uh, but what Paul says is it goes even further. Because worship is not just a Wednesday, Sunday thing, but it's an everyday thing. Worship is not just an event, but it's a lifestyle. Every part of our lives are meant to be worship. Paul says we're worshiping something, everybody, or someone. We're either worshiping the Lord and we're dedicating our lives to him, or we're worshiping the things of this world. And that's where we begin to see the message of urgency come from the apostle paul because he's not just displaying hey you can either worship the lord or you can go over here and you can live for the things of this world but we hear his next phrase in verse 2 he says do not live for this world do not live for all the things that we can build up for ourselves." he's saying don't do it don't offer yourselves for worldly things but then he changes and he says but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, there's something happening. He's saying, we gotta move from a place of being worldly-minded to a place of being heavenly-minded. Thinking about heavenly things. Paul's saying, this, this earth, this world, this is not our home. I love how Billy Graham said it. He said, my home is in heaven. I'm just traveling through this earth. And that's where... When we begin to think that, we begin to fully understand and grasp what Paul is saying is he's saying that is when we will be able to understand what is the perfect, pleasing will of God. See, you see the contrast that we can either live for this world and we can gain the things of this world or we can live for Christ. I feel like Jesus had something to say about that. Maybe you remember he said, you can gain the whole world, but what good does it do to gain the whole world and yet forfeit your soul? Right? To gain everything but forfeit our soul. It doesn't pay to live for this world because this world and its desires are perishing. But Christ, Jesus, and his kingdom are flourishing Therefore, Paul says, do not live for this world. So then what does it look like then? Not live for the world. We're going to move forward in a different way of living for Christ. And that's where he gets to verse 3. And he begins to unveil for us the application. He says, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. You see, there's something very similar Paul's doing in Romans chapter 12 as he does in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, he begins the letters talking about the creation of the world and then the brokenness of sin, the redemption of uh, Jesus in our lives from that sin, and then begins to, to reveal the application pieces. What does this mean for us? And he kind of uses this body language, right? What is our body? And what it begins to tell us is that our bodies are not ours. My body's not for me, I'm a part of something greater. It's not just my body. I'm a part of the body of Christ. 
Therefore, I don't move forward serving myself. I don't move forward just living in the way of the world, but I move forward living for Christ. And what does it look like to live for Christ? He says we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching the Bible, then move forward, teach the Bible. If it's to encourage, man, give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, lead, but do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so if I were to ask you here tonight, what is it that the gift, or what is the gift of God that he has given you personally? How would you answer that question? What gift do you feel that God has given you that you can use in your life to serve other people and to serve him? Has God given you the ability to give? Has God given to you to where you have more than you can need and you have to where you can give to other people and give generously? He's saying, give generously. Has he given you the ability to serve? Is there a fire that burns in your soul in a particular area of life? He's saying, pay attention to that. Serve. Man, in about two weeks, we're going to have thousands of kids in the church. Man, we would love to get you plugged in to serve these kids. This is not the future of the church. This is the church now. Man, if he's given you the gift to encourage other people, man, encourage people. Actively send them a text, give them a phone call, write them a letter, whatever that may look like. If there's an opportunity in your life to show mercy to someone who's hurting, he's saying, man, use that gift, show mercy. Whatever it is, do it for the glory of God. I love how Paul closes. He says this in in Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 through 24. He says, whatever you do with all your heart, do it as unto the Lord and not for human beings. All these things that we do, we are serving him. And so, we remember we're the body of Christ. As I close here today, uh, I had a conversation with a good friend here this morning. Uh, He's a a friend I've known ever since my college ministry days. A very gifted individual and yet incredibly humble. Uh, His name is Dave Juvie. Uh, He's a worship leader. Uh, He's uh, an encourager. He's uh, been a preacher before. Uh, He serves in just about every area uh, that you can get. So I called him up, and I was talking with him, and although he he preaches uh, on occasion, uh, when I talked to him, he just said, oh, I do preach sometimes, but it's not my gift. So I kind of pressed him on that. What, how do you know what your gift is? And he just said, it's what comes easy. What is it that comes easy to you? His gift is encouragement. I receive phone calls of encouragement. I receive texts of encouragement. Whenever I see him, he gives me a hug and he encourages me. He said it's not hard. It's just his joy. It's what he's naturally drawn to do. It's the way that God designed him in his DNA. When he leads worship, man, if you ever hear him lead worship, it's just almost effortless. And you just listen and it just brings you to a whole place of complete desire for Jesus. And yes, he has, to, he has to practice. He has to make sure he's working on it, but it's a gift. It's something that comes joyfully. So what is that for you? What is it that God has placed, that fire in your belly, that gives you joy to where you want to serve the Lord and his people?
Paul says, the moment we do this, we will be doing what we're called to do. We will be a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable to God. Paul says that is our true and proper worship. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight that in Jesus Christ we are not only informed, but we are transformed. Lord, you make us new. You make us brand new. You completely change our story and then allow us to move forward serving you and the people you've placed in our lives. So Father, unveil those areas of our lives, whatever that may be, that we would give ourselves fully to your service in this world to be the living sacrifices you've called us to be. We ask this in Jesus' name and all of God's people say, Amen.